evening and welcome to Matters of Life. I'm your host, John Lucier. And I don't know about each of you, but it just seems that whenever we turn on the news, we, for some time now, it seemingly have been bombarded by an influx of all these horrific events and tragedies. Here recently, of course, we've had multiple mass shootings. And even prior to that, or in the midst of that, there were the 20 deputies in L.A. that were run over with a vehicle. Of course, there was a shooting in Colorado, Springs, Colorado. There were two shooting events in Virginia, the most recent of which was in Chesapeake, Virginia. And it seems that no matter where we turn, there have been an influx of these major horrific events. Now, each event, while we we condemn the tragedy, we condemn the actions, is an opportunity for us to examine ourselves as individuals, but also where we are, our families, our communities, and our nation. What has led to these things and the influx of them, the frequency with which they are seemingly occur. And it's a lot to examine, but it's something that we must do. And as I was looking at these events and examining them, and and of course myself, I was reminded of Jesus' words in Luke 13, where it's a call to repent. When he says, now on the same occasion, there were some present who reported to him about the Galileans whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. And Jesus said to them, Do you suppose that these Galileans were greater sinners than all other Galileans because they suffered this fate? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or do you suppose that those 18 on whom the tower in Siloam fell and killed them were worse culprits than all the men who live in Jerusalem? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. So there's a couple things that we need to understand with this in examining ourselves and understand about repenting. Repenting is a turning away, not just facing the direction, but Yes, facing the opposite direction of where we're headed, but moving away from or in the opposite direction of where we were originally headed. Said differently, it's a complete 180 from the direction we were facing and moving toward and moving in a new direction, a complete opposite direction, not parallel to but completely away from where we were headed. And there, there's a lot of different things to examine with this in, in ourselves because, and I think this was, I'm going to paraphrase it, but it really got to the crux of this. One of these news programs articulated, a, had a question. And it was, well, are we looking at a legislation issue or are we looking at culture? 
and the culture of the nation essentially is what they were getting at. And I, I thought that question was perfect because it helps us get to the core of why these things are seemingly happening all the time. All these tragedies, all these these events. And yes, we are keeping those that are impacted, which ultimately is the entirety of the nation, in prayer and in our prayers, because that's what's required. But that's just the start of what's required. We have to change in order for there to be change. In that question of is it legislation or is it culture? We have to examine a a few things, and I have more questions as a result. If we're looking at legislation, you've heard me say this before, but I'll say it again. It is impossible to legislate love. No amount of laws on the books or what they get at will ever be able to accomplish that. That is a heart issue. So we have to examine our heart. And what is our heart? towards others, our neighbor as ourself. Do we love them and treat them with the same amount of love that we treat ourselves or not? But then with legislation, there's the other aspect of, and we all look for this, right? It's a natural human perspective to attempt to find the, I'll say the quick and the easy fix. Well, if we just take care of Solution C. It eliminates all the other ones. We don't have to go step by step. But is that accurate and does it really work? And I bring that up, especially on this this topic with the most recent shooting in, in Chesapeake, Virginia. Of course, gun laws and legislation has come up again. And there's one side that is for banning assault rifles and firearms on on the whole, which is interesting because that is one of the rights actually listed in the Constitution. Unlike the argument being abortion. It's not a constitutional right. It is not listed. So it's things to consider. Just want to bring those up as as a point, right? But we still have to get to the heart of the issue. And what is the culture And what have we been teaching, I'll say, the future generations, our children, and our children's children, after us? And what is the fruit that that is producing? You know, and also in looking at this, well, I'll say this. There's a, it's also interesting how, as it pertains to gun rights, and yes, it's a right. Like as I just said, it is listed um, as a right in the Second Amendment. So, with that, I have to ask the question because the first uh, one of the tragedies that we just discussed with the twenty police recruits being run down in a vehicle, and that's not the first time that's happened. You had another individual that was just sentenced within the past week or two for conducting a similar action during a parade just a few years back. But I don't hear anyone saying, hey, we need to ban 
the use and access to vehicles. That's considered a, a right, and even though every judge will tell you that driving is a privilege. There's no background checks to be able to, that people have to go through in order to get a license for the first time. And actually, they, they're giving them out to, well, I'll say 15 and 16-year-olds. Seems kind of odd. In the grand scheme of life, it can be used as a weapon, as clearly demonstrated. So things that we need to consider. But even going back to this historically, no one's banning fire. Although it is dangerous and can be used and has historically been used as a weapon. That's considered a need or a necessity. In spite of how many forest fires have happened, how many acres of land have been burned down, forests, trees, homes from wildfires, or the improper use and care of maintaining and looking after a fire, or in a fireplace, or at a campsite. But then we also have to bring in the other aspect of what about arson? But there's no background checks that people have to go through before they light a fire. So it's not about legislation because we could legislate ourselves out of doing pretty much anything and making it difficult for people to just live. No, the the thing that we have to really examine, truly take a look at and make changes to is our culture. And in the culture, I don't just mean what we're doing or what we're saying, but how we're doing it. What are we teaching? What are the morals, the values that we are passing down? And what is the fruit of them? They need to be examined. And I understand that, well, that's a a difficult undertaking. It is. There's no doubt about it. And it's harder to measure because it takes longer periods of time in order to measure it. It is a difficult thing to weigh in on. However, it's the thing that's required. And there is no quick, easy fix to it. We must examine ourselves. And I strongly encourage and recommend that we all examine ourselves by the Word of God. Because we see this same pattern throughout the generations in the word. Those that listened to the Lord and did what he said and instructed, that were obedient to his word and his will, and those that were in opposition to his word and his will. And the fruit of that is written for all to read and has been for quite some time literally thousands of years. Even if you were to take the New Testament, well, it's 2,000 years old. But we see the fruit that's contained within for those generations, cultures, communities that adhered to his word and those that were in opposition. You know, I was reminded of Jeremiah in chapter 26 where it says this, starting in verse 2. Thus says the Lord, Stand in the court of the Lord's house and speak to all the cities of Judah who have come to worship in the Lord's house all the words that I commanded you 
to speak to them. Do not omit a word. Perhaps they will listen. Everyone will turn from his evil way that I may repent of the calamity which I am planning to do to them because of the evil of their deeds. And you will say to them, Thus says the Lord, If you will not listen to me, to walk in my law which I have set before you, to listen to the words of my servants, the prophets, whom I have been sending to you again and again, but you have not listened, then I will make this house like Shiloh, and this city I will make a curse to all the nations of the earth. Now, as I read that, as the Lord brought me to that scripture, there is a lot that's happening at this time and in this book of Jeremiah. There was literally just word and prophecy given that they were going to go into captivity um, for an extended period of time. And of course, the people didn't want to experience those things, but it was coming or came as a result of not listening to the Lord. And the Lord, it's real easy to focus on even the scripture we just read and say, oh man, well, calamity's coming. And then, no, that's not what I want you to focus on. The key points in this verse were that the Lord was saying and asking them, telling them to listen to the Lord and to walk in his ways, his law, which he has set before the people. And he said he had also taken all these precautions. He had given and sent his prophets over and over and over to teach the people, to instruct them, to bring the word of the Lord that they could then take it and apply it, each one to their life. But the people had resisted. And actually, if I, as I was reading this, and even now as I'm rereading this, just I'm being reminded of all these tragedies. And there are other nations. We'll just look at the firearm piece for a second. There are many other nations in the world, on the earth, that have firearms. They're abundant. There's there's many. There's at least one in every home. But you rarely, if ever, hear about tragedies and events like what has been going on in the United States. It's not about the weapons themselves. They don't fire by themselves. It's the person behind that weapon and what their intention is. Is it for good? Is it for evil? What is their heart and their condition? And that is demonstrated through the actions. It's very telling. You know, and and I'll say that two of the shootings, in the Colorado Springs shooting and in the, the shooting in Chesapeake, Virginia, it was very interesting. Uh, and I'll, I'll bring up this, this point. It wasn't about what lifestyle that they were in right? It wasn't about that. In the Chesapeake shooting, the the individual, the shooter, wrote a manifesto, and in his manifesto, he referenced the Lord, and he referenced the Holy Spirit, 
in there. But there was a very interesting point and points that he made. He said that there was a difference between him and one of his other co-workers. This other co-worker, she listened to the Holy Spirit. She didn't just hear the Holy Spirit. She, she listened and she would do what the Holy Spirit prompted her to do. And he, in his own, I'll say writing, admitted that he would not. We did not hear about that from the Colorado shooter. But the, the end result was the same. Both individuals committed these heinous acts. So ultimately, it has to come from one, one thing, not listening to the Lord. He always speaks to us first, individually. If we won't listen, he sends, this is just the Lord's pattern, he sends someone or multiple people to come and speak with the individual. And if they refuse to listen then, then there's typically, I'll say a judgment and further consequence. Just things for us to consider. So Jeremiah was being, in this section of scripture, was being obedient to the word of the Lord. He did not omit a word, and the people were outraged by him, so much so that they wanted to <laughs> essentially sentence him to death. But then in verses 12 and 13, it says, Jeremiah spoke to all the officials and all the people, saying, The Lord sent me to prophesy against this house and against the city all the words that you have heard. Now therefore, amend your ways and your deeds and obey the voice of the Lord your God. And the Lord will change his mind about the misfortune which he has pronounced against you. This is an opportunity. It's many times that we hear or mishear what it, the Lord is communicating. And, and even communication on the whole. How many times do we miscommunicate or does miscommunication happen amongst people that we see just in our daily interactions we heard something we weren't but we weren't careful how we heard it and as a result miscommunication happened on seemingly the most simple things and then creates offense and bitterness and a and a litany of other things negative thoughts feelings emotions actions attitudes and behaviors come as a result and the individual that misheard life is impacted the most by the miscommunication. But if we would just address that, that thing with our, our neighbor, or in this case, it's with the Lord, that we would have the opportunity to correct it, to hear rightly, and to take the correct course of action, the one that the Lord wanted to have happen. And ultimately, as it pertained to Jeremiah, the people heard what he said. And they even reminded themselves in verse 19, it says, Did Hezekiah, king of Judah and all Judah, put him to death? 
Did he not fear the Lord and entreat the favor of the Lord? And the Lord changed his mind about the misfortune which he had pronounced against them. But we are committing a great evil against ourselves. Was well, I look at and examine just us as a as a people, as a nation? Are we not committing a great evil against ourselves by not being obedient to what the Lord is saying and asking us to do? Which, if you've heard the previous podcast, we've been saying the Lord is, is moving and it's time to go forward. But the going forward is in the things of the Lord. He is doing the work. And yes, we have a role to play. We absolutely have a role to play if we want to be a part of it. If we want to enter in to what he's doing and ultimately his rest. The Lord is not trying to tear us down and tear this nation apart. He absolutely wants to build it up. And even in in this story about Jeremiah and the people of Israel, as they're preparing to go into captivity, because the people did not turn, the Lord said, hey, I'm going to bring the people back. And we can look at Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 11 through 14. The Lord says, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare, other versions say good, and not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope that you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your fortunes and will gather you from all the nations and from the places where I have driven you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from where I have sent you into exile. You know, as we're, we're here as a nation, there is a, we have to examine some things. Why is it that this nation has suffered tragedies beyond what every other nation is experiencing? There are elements and aspects of our nation that, well, similar to the what we read here in Jeremiah, that it is a, has in some ways and aspects become like Shiloh. Torn down, desolate. And yes, other nations in the world are, are talking about it. Almost as a as this nation in some aspects had has become a proverb and a byword. An example of what not to do, how not to live. But the Lord wants to change that, and as we were just reading in Jeremiah twenty nine, turn to him. Seek him with all of our heart. Teach our children how to do that after us. It's not about just what we say, but it's what we do corroborating what we say. Exemplifying it. This has been the message from the prophets all along. And yes, the Lord is still sending prophets today. And I'm reminded of in Hebrew 2, Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, 2, verses 1 through 4, it says, For this reason we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away from it. 
For if the word spoken through angels proved unalterable, and every transgression and disobedience receives a just penalty, how will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? After it was first spoken through the Lord, it was confirmed to us by those who heard, God also testifying with them both by signs and wonders and by various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. We've heard this message many times. And the question is, when will we take heed? When will we pay attention to what the message is? When will we change our our ways, our thoughts, our attitudes, our beliefs toward the Lord? As an individual and ultimately as a nation. We've seen the signs, we've seen the wonders. The Lord has un- repeatedly announced his plans for restoration, for us to turn to him. And how, again, as it just said here, how will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? That was literally one of the, the words in the last few podcasts, was to stand and see the salvation of our Lord, of our God. He's providing it. Let us not neglect it. And, and going back to, to Moses, in this section in Hebrews, is exactly what is being discussed. Read uh, from chapter 3, Hebrews 3, verses 7 through 11. It says, Therefore, just as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me, as in the day of trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tried me by testing me, and saw my works for forty years. Therefore I was angry with this generation, and said, They always go astray in their heart. And they did not know my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. And I say this because I bring this up, or I feel led to bring this up, because it's important. The Lord did show them wondrous works. And, and I was just reiterating this message from an earlier, one of the earlier podcasts about the salvation of our God. The people knew the Lord's acts. It says, but Moses knew the Lord's ways. David, even later, wanted to know the Lord's ways and his thoughts. There's a difference. Huge difference between just seeing the Lord move, but then having that relationship with the Lord and knowing what the Lord is saying and doing and is going to do. That comes from a relationship and spending time with the Lord. Becoming, I'll say, like him. And not as in a, oh, worship this person because they're like the Lord, but acknowledge the Lord working in and through that person and the closeness, the proximity with which they walk with the Lord. All the credit, glory, honor, praise is due the Lord, not the person. But we, and what the Lord is looking for, is a people whose heart is towards him, who will do what he is instructing them to do because they love him, 
and because we love him and trust the Lord, that we are obedient to what he is saying and encouraging us to do. Not be in doubt and not be unbelieving. You know, the rest of that chapter reads this way. It says, Take care, brethren, and there not be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. But encourage one another day after day, as long as it is still called today, so that no none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold fast the beginning of our assurance firm until the end. While it is said, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as when they provoked me. For who provoked him when they heard? Indeed, did not all those who came out of Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was he angry for forty years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose body fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear they would not enter his rest? But to those who were disobedient. So we see they were not able to enter because of unbelief. They did not trust what the Lord said and had spoken by his servants, the prophets, whom he says in Jeremiah, he sent over and over. And in the case of the children of Israel in the wilderness, it was by his servant Moses, who led them, who the Lord said was faithful in all his house. Was he perfect? No, he was a man. But his heart was towards the Lord, just like his servant David. It's like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and many of the other prophets that we read about. It is about being obedient to the Lord, because if we are not, that is considered sin. And I know many are probably saying, well, well, it's, it's impossible that we cannot sin. And apart from God, absolutely. But those that are in Christ... We are a new creation. We are the righteousness in Christ Jesus. And I'll give you this. In Revelation 14, I want to read the first five verses. It says, Then I looked, and behold, the Lamb was standing on Mount Zion, and with him 144,000, having his name and the name of his Father written on their foreheads. And I heard a voice from heaven, like the sound of many waters, and like the sound of loud thunder. And the voice which I heard was the sound of harpists playing in their harps. And they sang a new song before the throne, and before the four living creatures and the elders. And no one could learn this song except the 144,000 who had been purchased from the earth. These are the ones who have not been defiled with women, for they keep themselves chaste. These are the ones who follow the Lamb wherever He goes. These have been purchased from among men as first fruits to God and to the Lamb. And no lie was found in their mouth. They are blameless. And I want to bring... felt led to bring that up because that's really what the Lord is looking for. People that will be obedient to the Lord, putting his will above their own, just like Christ. 
That's exactly what Jesus will. He says in Scripture that his delight, his secret food, his delight, his driving force, if you will, was to do the will of him who sent me or his heavenly father. That was it. He was blameless because he inquired of his father for everything. And as soon as he heard it, what he was to say and do, and in the manner with which he was to say it and do it, that's what he did or said. Because that's what he heard from the Holy Spirit. That's what he received. And the Holy Spirit takes from the Father and discloses it to us. So we should know or develop a, I'll say a habit, a pattern, a lifestyle, even better way to phrase it, a lifestyle of seeking the Lord in everything. What is your will, Lord? Not just in my life. But in this situation, what do I say about it? What do you want me to do? And how do you want me to say it or do it? A similar thing is said about Job. That he was blameless. That there was none like him in all the earth. And I believe something similar was said about Noah. These were men. Were they perfect? No. There are written accounts in, in the Bible about how the Lord corrected them and, and dealt with them, disciplined them. And why did he do that? So they could grow in their relationship with him. So they could further and truly understand the Lord and who he is, his nature, his character and attributes, to exhibit that in their own lives, to demonstrate it to others. And to teach others how to live that out. That is how we, as believers, can walk without sin in our lives. Remaining in the presence of the Lord. Seeking Him about everything. It's difficult to seek the Lord about something if we're not in His presence. If we're not f truly in relationship or fully in relationship with him. Yep, he hears our prayers no matter where we are. But it also makes it a lot easier if we're in a place that gets good reception, right? I'm not saying the Lord is limited by reception. What I am saying is if we're under a rock or in a ditch somewhere, somewhere separated, somewhere that's apart from him, is, is what I mean by that. It makes it diff more difficult for us to hear what he is saying and speaking to us. Vice if we remain close to the Lord in his presence. Or, or the natural saying, within earshot of the Lord. But in such a distance where it doesn't matter what's happening around us that we can clearly, immediately, and accurately hear what he's saying to us. doesn't matter how loud the speakers are, how close the speakers are, wherever or whatever amount of gunfire or 
ammo or a mortar fire or rocket fire or whatever is happening around us, we can still hear him clearly. There's nothing in our lives that are dulling our senses and our ability to hear the Lord and respond in and to what he is saying. So I just want to encourage you with that today or this evening and encourage you to continue to press forward, to go forward in the Lord and what he's doing. But to turn from the things that have, I'll say, dulled our senses, that have diminished our ability to clearly hear him and ultimately our walk with the Lord. And yet that first has to start with the church. But it's also a choice that we, as his people, need to make and put him truly as our God. Putting his will above our own. So, we love you. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being part of the this show and standing for righteousness and justice. We thank you. God bless you. Have a wonderful evening.